I think, but um, I, I think you're overlooking how critical the scares are for the, for the movie to actually get qualified as like a horror. Like, I, well, I, I, I mean, I, I do agree with that. I'm just saying that like there's there's elements that if they would have patched them in in addition to the way they did the scares, it would have made that movie that much better. I was wanting the, the merger of the two, and they and we never yeah. See, quite it, got it, it. This is where it gets hard to gauge it because we're looking at the lens of an American culture where the horror is like over the top, like visceral, it visceral and like that. But the tension building is good. The storytelling that comes. Out of Hollywood, maybe not too much recently, but for the most part, they're good. They're good at crafting a story that 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 gets you that surreal, surreal feeling. And it's I don't know if the they they were able to transmit it as good in the storytelling on on the on the Japanese side, or it's just the culture itself. It works with that culture. Is this cultural appropriation? Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, because the Japanese oh. came up with a really great tale. Like, you know, aside from the movie, take away the movie, take away this is just something you hear on the radio or a story you read in a book, and it's fucking creepy as fuck. And then America's like, yeah, fuck you, we're going to take this and we're going to fucking make it even better. Yeah, but I think that's the human thing. You take an initial story yeah. that someone made thousands of years ago and you slowly make it better and better and refine the ability yeah. to get the story across. I think it's good. At least the in the American films, at least they got the blessing of the Japanese creator. So that's not always something you get. And they got him on board too, which yes. is good. I will say that one thing and 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 rebuttal to what you just said, Noah. Though you said visceral, and the, the one thing that I find it funny about that, it's true. I mean, the American one is more like aggressive in that sense, but it's funny the American one, due to censorship in the United States, refused to show Kaiko covered in her death wounds, where she was cut up with a box cutter and the blood and all that, until the very final scene. Whereas the Japanese version doesn't give a shit about showing her covered in blood. Like that is the default in a lot of cases for the the whenever they show her like at least in the house i mean so they they're they're more they're more likely to go into the visceral nature of how she died than the american one is it's kind of like they're they got to scrub it a little bit for the american audience and that's so weird i i, I... <laughs> it is but when you're talking about a big a big um, production type film they have to worry about the rating and so there's certain things that they'll be forced to adjust in I'm, order I'm to be able to make it this big film and granted, it's changing a little bit. The temperature is getting a little bit better. We're able to see more and still get that, you know, rating. I really can't believe that, uh, what do you call it? The black phone is rated R, speaking of ratings. <laughs> but I didn't find that to be a rated R film. But anyways. No, it wasn't. By oh. any means. But no, yeah. Uh, it is kind of weird that for the Japanese not having as scary of his film, and I don't know why The Grudge wasn't any scarier. Maybe, well. Again, it was his first run at it. Uh, why? I'll tell you something else that added to it that may, that wasn't as scary. It, I mean, the, the music. Because I mentioned the people who made, or I mean, I, you know, as we, I mentioned the composers of this, this one, but I mean, or at least I, I might have skipped over them. I can't remember now. But anyways, like the it's the music and the sounds on the the Japanese version are very very subtle. Like they're barely there. Whereas in the American one, they do a lot better job of swelling the music up right before the you know the attack or you know kind of like I mean, and that might be a Jap you know that might be an American cultural thing that that's what we prefer. But I mean, at the same time, to me, it's more effective to have the music kind of work in tandem with what you're seeing on screen. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, because 
you think that the only thing you're hearing is Kaoko's death groan, but no, prior to that, there was a small light playing bit of intense music intensifying up until the point that you heard her and then it turned into just her death groan. It it really makes it it helps the movie. Well, not like you're saying too, there's a lot of good scenes that they're in the Japanese one that would have been really good to trans to kind of rework over and bring it into the American film and, and crank up the horror aspect of it and the tension of it. Yeah. I mean, they tried to stick to the basic, basic details, which really do tell the story. Hey, uh, husband catches wife having an affair of the heart. Husband kills wife, then kills son. Then but she kills- didn't, but she didn't have an affair. She had an affair of the heart. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah. That, that's uh, that's why I said it that way. Okay. You know, yeah. she did not have an affair. It was an affair of the heart. The only thing that doesn't make sense is, it, was it just a moment of insanity? What I forget what it's called. Um, I had a friend that said, uh, insanity of something. It's when he just has an insanity of you know passion, um, where he lost his mind and killed everyone in the house because of what happened, or he almost looked possessed. When he killed them, that was that was what every time I saw him and you see him do his weird throwing himself against the wall and tweaking his neck a little bit. He's popping his neck and then he just murders her in a rage. I get that guys can lose their shit like that, but it like really comes off that he was possessed, but there's no explanation behind it. You should watch the TV show. Oh, well, I don't know. I, I, I was getting so tired of all the films. And I won't deny that the TV show was good. I think the TV show had really good uh, parts in it. And I'll talk about that after we finish the movies um, for what little of the TV shows that I saw. But I don't know. What's your take on the dad, the husband? I mean, I personally, I don't know. I read it more as not him possessed necessarily by anything supernatural. It's just he went off the deep end is what they're trying to hint at. Although it is very extreme, like the way they portray him, it is like he's got an outside force in control of him. It's just really weird, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I also want to bring up the fact that the CGI, of course, it's early CGI. I mean, we're talking early 2000s. And, Mm -hmm. of course, I I just feel like in the last two or three years, we've gotten CGI to the point where it's it's – close to the best practical effects that that you know came out in the 80s but yeah. i mean it's you know but the cgi in the japanese version is just oh so bad like, oh there's I mean, a lot like, in the japanese version the makeup is fucking terrible <laughs> well not that but the first time that 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 the actual grudge the the ghost appears on the older lady and that young girl sees it it's horrible <laughs> i wonder yeah. if the makeup in donnie g's movie review i wonder if it was better than what <laughs> Telling you we should watch it. I'm not fucking watching that. And the, the other thing that I that I saw in my notes here that I brought up is that, and I do remember this now, the music, although it was understated in a lot of the scenes, and some of the scenes, like it, it totally went the opposite direction. It was so over, it was so loud, and it was so sugary sounding. It didn't sound like it belonged to the movie. It was almost like it was from like a soap opera at times. <laughs> like it didn't fit. It, wait, in the Japanese one. In the Japanese, yeah. Yes. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't that creepy, like, you know, music. It was more like a happy-go-lucky, which I know the Japanese have this weird thing where they'll have, like, I've seen this in animes. They'll have an anime that's, like, deadly serious, 
and it'll be like you know you think it would have like a certain tone like and then the, you listen to the intro music and it's like this uh yeah 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 type, <laughs> and it's like what are you playing here it's like this makes no fucking sense like it I mean, does okay <laughs> having having lived briefly in japan for a short amount of time i can tell you that they're soap operas they're dramas they're i mean comedy is comedy so it is what it is but they all basically have the same type of music it's very um I don't know, very animated. Yes, very cheery. <laughs> it's weird. Now, it's completely different from anime because I feel like anime has appropriate music for what's happening in the scene, but for some uh, reason, their TV shows do not. Not, not in the intros. Yeah. Not in the intros. If no. you listen to the intros, it's like this J-pop, like cheery, and then you watch the show and it's like, I'm going to kill you. And it's like, that has nothing to do with what we just saw. We literally saw people with big, you know, like super large eyes with hearts over their faces and this cheery J-pop. And now we got like this scene where these two people are like literally disemboweling each other. Like, yeah. No connection whatsoever. No, it's, it's weird, but that's, well, I don't know. Side note, you ever seen the anime Claymore? Uh, I've heard of it, but I've not actually watched it. I don't think it's what well, they, they kind of detach in the manga, but it's, it's an awesome anime, dude. They only did one season of the anime. It's hella good. You would like it. <laughs> I think I've seen it. I mean, I, it's, it's kind of like a medieval type setting, right? Like yes. the, the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's hella good. I've been watching it with my, my kids. They have never seen it. Okay. Uh I got a bunch of old stuff like that. So we've kind of talked about what we had would have liked from the Japanese films to be included in the American films. And I think we can kind of agree that the American films were scary. Kind of wish they had a little bit better detail. Not because the scary you're missing. There's multiple things to it. The music temping's right. The the tension building, getting getting what you want to get. It's not just there's a scary scene. It's all the tension leading yes. up to the actual that part, which is, works really well when you have a diving board to jump yeah. off of. <laughs> I, I, I know, but it, it's all. But those are all critical parts to make the horror translate. Yes, but the storyline, specifically in the first one, while it does get the point across of what is happening, who this woman is, why she is so scornful, this the character storyline they had, I wasn't jiving with it very well. It, it was very basic. Like it, they didn't That's, matter. That's what I want to discuss with you, the storytelling, because, I mean, we've discussed everything but that. I don't feel like, I mean, there's pros and there's cons to the way that they told it in the Japanese version. Uh, the, the story is definitely is one of those ones in the Japanese version that you have to watch multiple times to get anything out of, because there was, like, I, going back and watching it, there's, like, something that is said between... Um, the, the, the husband that, that moves in and, and his sister Hatomi, like whenever he gets ready to push her out of the house right before he goes upstairs and kills his wife, uh, that like that makes no sense in the context of the movie until you rewatch it and you realize he is talking from Takeo's point of view. He is possessed at that point by Takeo and he is saying things about that fucking bitch, you know, like she's cheating on me and all this stuff. But it makes no context. I mean, when you're the way that it's placed in the movie, mm -hmm. it makes no context whatsoever and you're like what was he saying this shit for yeah like, he's just mumbling stuff you know whereas in the american version for better or worse it depends on what you i mean if you are like the type of thing where you have to fish for the story and kind of you know work for it harder and and that sort of thing the japanese one's better but in the american one it's more directly laid, laid out for you because they have sarah michelle geller basically discovering the story yes. of you know kaiko as she goes along through the movie yeah, um, it rolls so, for her character specifically, it rolls so fast into why she's in Japan. Sorry, I, sorry, I, I muted my mic. I'm trying to mute Noah. Uh, 
<laughs> what she's doing, why she's there. There's really no context to that. Um, she knows how to speak Japanese. She doesn't know how to speak Japanese. Like, it's like, it, there's no time frame, no time building as in, okay, well, I just got here and I know very little Japanese. Okay, now at this point, it's been a few months and my Japanese has gotten a lot better. She goes from no Japanese to I can kind of speak it very well, or at least, you know, get the point across what she needs to get. Um, I feel like they don't, they use Bill Pullman in a good way in the first grudge where you understand why he's, why he's placed there. The, the beginning of this movie starts with him killing himself, but there's no context as why he killed himself. Other than the fact that he went to the house and you have to just come up with the idea that he was cursed and he was pushed. Or he, what he saw was so traumatic, and he—it's like there's no rhyme or reason. It's but just like the, the only thing the Bill Pullman thing is effective at, and and I'll give him credit for this in the American version is in the jet in the in the Japanese version, it just starts out straight with you know like I mean there you know the scene where you know the Rika like goes to the place and then she sees like Toshio and all the weird shit like you know that happens around him. Whereas, like, in the American one, you get, like, punched right in the face from the immediate, like, like first scene of seeing just Bill Pullman, like, out of nowhere just kill himself. It's yeah. like a gut punch leading into the movie. That it, It's a good, like, setup. It's like, what the fuck? Did, what, what's going on yeah. in this movie? You know, it, like, gets your attention right off the bat. Yeah, I guess. I mean, attention I mean, grabbing. Yes, that's, that's your, like, your entire MO is it needs to be over the top or I'm just going to fall asleep. Yes. Uh, we're going to take a break shortly. I need a uh, reverend to go into the Scooby gang general chat and I need you to look at the pictures of the porn star that plays Kyoko. You want to flash it over here? Yes, I'm absolutely going to flash it over there. Uh, makeup in my opinion, 100% better. It looks way <laughs> better. They could have did a little more black around her eyes. What do you think? Oh man, this thing. Well, of course, it's taken forever for this thing to load up on here. Um, all right, here we go. It's finally loading in, maybe. Why don't you show me all your right, clip let's... so I can get a better reference? I'm not showing you a clip. Damn. I don't have the clip, by the way. This is just a screenshot sent to us. Thank you, Donnie G. It's the internet. It lasts forever. Someone's <laughs> got to have posted it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> What do you think? Um, I mean, it's it's pretty good. It's kind of hard to tell from like far farther away like that. But I mean, it's um, I, that's it's an easy look to pull off. It's yeah, the big thing. You like, know I mean, exactly who she is. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. He, yeah. he he's absolutely I mean, right about that. Okay. But, Anyways, going back to the okay, so the Grudge, the American Part One. Um, I I I don't know. I just there there was definitely a lot going on. They tried to pull the context in pretty well. There is even a part of the film where the de detective's like, I know why, or no, it wasn't I know why. It was Sarah Michelle Geller's character. I know why your husband killed himself. Um, and even the detective was like, he didn't do it. You know, he didn't kill himself. He was forced to. And it was like, okay, but we didn't really, <laughs> like, you, you're just saying that, but you know? What, what, I think a lot of that, too, is bleed over from Japanese culture into the movie because that's a very pride culture. Yes. And so if you if you removed him from being an American guy and made him a Japanese individual in that yes. culture, I think that it would make more sense to an American audience. 
Okay. It, it, it probably, it probably would. Yeah. So um, those were my, my no, uh, mean, pet peeves. Is there anything else we want to discuss about the, about the Japanese version before I go into the trivia about it? The, the second one or the first one? Uh, well, we didn't watch the first and second. We watched technically the, we technically watched the third installment in that, which was the grudge. Yeah, just the grudge. The yeah. Japanese grudge. Anything else about that before he? Uh, did you want to talk about the third American movie? No, he's gonna. We're gonna get uh, there eventually. He's gonna go into the trivia. We're gonna get the to Japanese. the American version. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Go for it. Go for the trivia. All right. So uh, Toshio's spirit is often heard meowing throughout the film. Uh, not only does this imply that his spirit merged with the deceased cat Mar, which is the name of the cat Rutro. <laughs> Uh, but also relates to an old Japanese legend where the damned spirits of lost children become strays and as a result uh, produce a cat's meow. So that's kind of where that's coming from. So more lore tied into it. The house used in the film was not a constructed set, but a real location, which had to be rented for the film production. It became a tourist attraction following the film's popularity. Uh, the house was demolished in 2019, however. Did, did they say why? Um, it, uh, they they didn't it didn't specify why they demolished did it just I, I assume maybe I would imagine it had to become uh, dis disused from all the people visiting and just the amount of I mean they probably trashed it like people do whenever yeah they, I, mean. I was thinking it became too much of a well for some people like in America they get mad when a house is is in a movie because then they're like you're attracting too many visitors like you know we have to have private security now blah 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 Japan is probably like fuck it destroy the house. Yeah, I mean, they, they wouldn't be like, Amer Americans take a different point of view. They capitalized on it where, you know, like the, the house from uh, A Christmas Story is now a museum that you can pay money and go go yeah. walk through. Whereas in Japan, they were like, no, this is too much disturbance to the local neighborhood. We're fucked this. Um, I have a very <laughs> short update because La Arena is all about the animals. Um, and Mar in Japanese translates to spoil or destroy in English. Oh wow! So. Okay. <laughs> that that is interesting. That, that I like that they work that sort of thing into the lore. I do because I'm mean, like, like, why is his name Mar? Yeah. So they they even the name of the cat, you know, hints at what's going to go on. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, it took. Uh, you was talking about the makeup. It mm -hmm. took two hours to apply the white makeup to Takako Fuji and Yuya Ozeki in order for them to play their ghostly incarnations of their characters. I have no two doubt hours. about that. Yeah, because white makeup is fucking hard to do. And this was back in the day before we had like makeup primers and stuff to help smooth airbrush. the skin. Yeah, exactly. So because <laughs> yeah, nowadays you could probably airbrush them in like fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you still got to get it to stick, and you got to make sure it stays pretty well. The and money everything. they have, the product they're using, they probably got super high in quality wait a wait a wait a wait a wait a second i know wait i white makeup is hard to work with but when did x-men come out where they had what's her name um the character that is the blue it's the mystique. woman mystique oh mystique yeah when did x-men come out because they were doing yeah but hers was a whole body thing too it, it was I mean, it's 2000. If they could do blue makeup. Not like that, but okay. Jap most Japanese people were pretty pale to begin with. Yeah, so that's you, true. <laughs> it's, you're not painting their face blue. I mean, you're just you're just lightening them up a little bit. Yeah, well, it still took two hours. So I guess Mystique took like fucking, I don't know, 10 hours. So I guess I can't compare the two. 
Yeah, I, I don't remember what movie it was, this side tangent, but there was some movie where somebody had to be covered completely in gold, like makeup, and something about the, the makeup itself and the occlusion that it created on the body caused the person to have, like, extreme... Uh, they, they were hyperventilating, like they couldn't get oxygen in, and it was purely because the makeup and the way that it was... Even the skin couldn't get the oxygen it needed or something. Wow. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yuya Ozeki, who plays Toshio, is terrified of cats in real life, making filming scenes with the cat Mar rather tr- troublesome for the actor. I wonder what the background <laughs> of that is. I don't know, but that's really weird. It's like, we're, you're going to be playing a part in consecutive films where you have to work with a cat. And then he was like, but I'm afraid of cats. are like, fuck you. You're going yeah, to be doing it anyway. Oh, that's Japan for you. And you know what? <laughs> well, this is the role. You yeah. want it or not? And his parents were like, fuck you, get in there with that fucking cat. You know, here's the thing is that much like many cultures, Japan is deeply rooted. They really do believe, you know, they believe in ghosts. They believe in, you know, bad energy and stuff like that. And I don't know. I did not research, so I don't want to talk out of line. But I wonder if maybe there's like where black cats are considered unlucky in America. Is that the same thing in Japan? And he is just like, no, fuck this, you know. I don't know. I don't know if they have that same history when it comes to like certain types of cats. Cause I feel like some of the cultures venerate cats a lot more than Europeans do. And that's, you know, so there's, there's that whole thing, you know? Yeah. I feel like Japanese culture, they do, they actually like cats. I mean, they have cat shit all over the place, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I read something that that's one of their preferred pets, something about the symmetry the way the face is shaped on a cat. It more symbol. It's, it's more attractive to them than a dog because it more like something about like the structure is more of like a pyramid shape or something than a, like an oval or so. it's some weird thing like that, that like it, it resembles more of Japanese faces like in people than it does like the, than like a dog would or something. Mm. Um, I do have this small tidbit of information. Cats in Japanese culture, uh, in Japanese folklore, cats have protective powers and symbolize good luck and fortune. Uh, no example of this is more clear than the story of the Minaki Neko, as the story goes. And that's, that's the cat that has his paw up that you always see. I am okay. going to be rude. I thought that was Chinese culture. I am wrong. I apologize. Um, as the story goes, centuries ago, a feudal lord was standing under a tree when he noticed a cat waving at him with his paw. That is adorable. <laughs> That sounds like the makings <laughs> of a horror movie. Well, yeah. If, it, if it had been a European thing that they would have rushed over with their sword and stabbed the cat and yeah. then, you know, called and then searched for the witch that had it as, as familiar. Oh, oh, a little <laughs> bit more information. They have a love-hate relationship with cats. So, okay, because uh, they can be shapeshifters. They could be demonic corpse eaters. That, that sh- better represents my interpretation of cats personally, but that's just me. Oh my goodness. Okay, hold on. Oh my god, they got cat cafe. So they it's like they love and hate cats. Uh, la 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 la. Get out of my way. I don't want to hear about you. Um it was a pop up, sorry. Uh begin okay, cat lore. They call it cat lore. What the fuck? Uh you ever wonder what the the Japanese culture thinks of American horror? I'm super they curious. Think, I imagine they probably think it's too garish and uh, out there or something. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that feel like American sent. Uh, I mean, they appreciate it. Like I've heard in European co- cultures that they appreciate the the American, you know, aesthetics, but then they they think that we're just like you know we're it's it's almost like it's uncultured. Like we're we're just too upfront with you know all of our we're not subtle enough with anything. Um, I will say this. I don't know. 
J- uh, Japan is, well, the American movies are tested out. I mean, this is well known uh, that it is tested out on Japanese fans before it is released in America. They want to see how they react first. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking like one movie in general. I'm curious how would, how, what, what their reaction, like the movie The Thing. I'm curious how the Japanese culture would, what, what was their opinion of the movie The Thing? I mean, it's it's hard to say. I mean, we'd have to kind of look into that. But, but from what I know, they fucking love the shit that we send over. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's I I'm say this is they're they're test dummies basically. They want to see how their audience reaction is before they bring it to America. One case in point: very horrible movie. I absolutely love it. Not a horror film, but I saw Little Nicky in Japan. It was available to rent when I saw it. Look it, I had limited American things to when I was in Japan to see, and I was sticking to what I could get to remind myself of what it was like to be at home because I was in this immensely cultural environment that I was just like a sore thumb sticking out, okay? It, w- it was so different. So anything American I could find, I was stuck to that like glue. I came back to America loving that film so much. I think I watched it like every day because, again, I was limited on what I had. And I cannot find Little Nicky. It wasn't released until about seven or eight months later for movie theaters by the time I came back to America. And it was available for rent in Japan. So. I, I, your point that you just brought up about the being in that culture is from another like country or whatever is a good point that's going to be brought up during the, the discussion of the American one because I, I, that's kind of what that movie hinges on versus the obviously the Japanese one but uh, that, that's interesting that it came out that quickly though especially little Nikki of all things <laughs> yes I know <laughs> anyways <laughs> the Japanese loved little Nikki um, by the way <laughs> so Kaiko and Toshio were based on the Japanese legend of Onryo or Onryo like we said uh, uh, and uh, they can physically physically manifest to attack and kill victims, whereas Western ghosts are just energy and can't physically appear, typically. Uh, uh, they're killed in a state, when they are killed in a state of deep rage, as explained uh, by the opening title card. So that's when they manifest. Oh, yes. um, the backstory that creates the curse in this series is strongly reminiscent of the myth of Oiwa, uh, I don't know how you pronounce this, O-I-W-A, yeah, Oiwa, Oiwa. Uh, I guess. Uh, traditional Japanese Onryo, resentful ghost legend. She was the housewife disfigured and brutally murdered by her unfaithful husband. Um, and she returns to haunt him and make him murder his new lover. According what? to legend, a curse accompanies her story and that those who retell it will suffer injuries and even death. Um, the disfigured uh, aspect of the Onryo is likely what inspired Sadako Yama, uh, Yamamura's appearance in Ringu. So, um, so actually... Both of these films are based on the ring and the grudge are kind of based on the same kind of lore, give or take. I think it's funny um, that Sam Raimi. Oh, sorry. Ringo is like, is like the Japanese version of ring. You know, they call it Ringo, yes. but in Spanish, we'd be like Ringo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's how you Not make a Rango. Mexican word. You just throw the O at the end instead of a U for Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sam Raimi obviously helped Sony uh, option the the remake rights as he was a big fan of this film, saying it terrified him. So he's the reason that the American one got the remake. Um, It's the first film in the series to get a theatrical release. 
Wow. It's the only film in the Juwan series that has Kaika wearing a different haircut compared to all the other films, oh. including the American remakes. Although she is known for having long and straight jet black hair, here she is wearing a short and wavy bob uh, uh, with uh, at her shoulders with with bangs so it's kind of this only film that kind of like mixes up her hair style a little bit hey she's allowed uh, to have some style okay <laughs> you know dead she's dead and dead split ends on hair is no fucking joke so cut that thing into a bob and let it carry on <laughs> and get get all that blood the blood stains out of yes. it while you're at it uh, Ryoto Koyama, who played Toshio in Juwan 2000 and Juwan the Curse 2000, or Juwan the Curse 2, and that came out in 2000, had outgrown the role by the time production commenced on his recast with Yuya Ozeki. Aww. So that's re- they actually changed actors because the kid was too old. Being a ballet dancer and trained contortionist, Takako Fuji performed all of her unnatural and seemingly impossible bends, snaps, and jerky movements that Kaiko performs in the film. Oh, nice. Especially in the, inf- especially in the infamous staircase sequence. No special effects or CGI were used at any point for her performance. That's badass. Uh, the infamous scene where Kaiko attacks Satomi from underneath the gap of her bed sheets was inspired by the old Japanese urban legend of the girl in the gaps of a ghost which is said to enter our world only through small gaps in the real world. Wow. Uh, the final body count presented in the film is 17. 17 people die in this film, including the Seiki cat family and their cat. That is a better kill count than a lot of slashers have in their movies. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Jason matches that in some of his films. <laughs> You'd have to combine a few of the Friday the 13th films to get that count. <laughs> wow. Well, didn't um, technically Jason yeah. kill the whole world? Okay. <laughs> Day, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> I didn't make it that Does far he? into the is series. Is that what you're saying? He said, didn't he technically kill the whole world? Yeah, remember they froze Well, him? maybe in Jason Goes to Space or whatever. Oh, you know, my Jason God. Jason X, I mean. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, though never explicitly stated or seen in the film, Yoko Yama, Azumi's catatonic mother, is heavily implied to be deceased and likely claimed by the curse. This is hinted at when she's no longer around in her house once Azumi is being hunted down by Kaiko and the ghost of her dead friends. So, um that it never technically shows Azumi, the the detective's uh, daughter. It doesn't show his wife that it, you know ever dying, but it's assumed that she she dies shortly after her daughter does. Hmm, okay. So moving on, uh, we're going to go on to the American remake, um, The Grudge, two thousand four, also directed by Takashi Shimizu. And written by Stephen Susco, which I'm sure he had some, uh, he had to have had some kind of like help from Takashi because, I mean, it was his film. Yeah. Uh, we have music by Christopher Young. Now, this is interesting. Uh, the American version was made for a budget of $10 million, so it was made for less money. And it made a box office of $187.2 million. That is a huge, yeah, huge Is that worldwide? Uh, yeah, I believe so. That's that's the difference between worldwide though and Japan. I don't think that was a still. Worldwide release. I mean, yeah. that, uh, I, I mean, there's no one re, There's no wonder why they made so many sequels yeah. in the American version. Oh my god! Well, it's not even that, but the, if you look at the cinematography difference. Too, oh god! Yeah, from the Japanese to the American, it's a polished production. For oh, sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, so principal players in the American version, we have Sarah Michelle Gellar, who plays Karen Davis. It's funny. She's a Karen. Yes. I just want to throw that out there. There's a scene, too, where uh, they say, okay, Karen. Like, <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> Um, she is a care worker and exchange student, and she's a stand-in for Rika. Uh, obviously, Sarah Michelle Gellar's been a ton of stuff, uh, most prominently known for Cruel Intentions. Uh, she was the voice of an Inquisitor on Star Wars Rebels. A real Inquisitor. Uh, she was, uh, yeah, she was a, a good female Inquisitor. Yes. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, obviously. She was, you know, Buffy Summers. And uh, she was uh, Daphne in the Scooby-Doo live-action movies. And she was in uh, The Grudge 2, the sequel, for a short stint. And uh, I know what you did last summer, which is a piece-of-shit movie, but, you know, it does have its fans. Hey, I liked the movie. I mean, I didn't think it was great or anything, but it was a good little, I don't know, cheesy slasher, if you when will. When was the last time you watched it's... it? Oh, God, it's been a while. <laughs> Watch it again. If I don't hate it from the get-go, then that's a pretty good sign. <laughs> I'm not saying I won't hate it again uh, watching it, but anyways, moving on. I don't I don't know that it's the worst of the scream knockoffs, but it's not it's definitely not in top tier either. I will say this. Uh, this it, it does get worse as the movies cuz how many like sequels did they have? Like two? I don't know. I want to say they had two. I know what you did 40 summers yeah, ago. I mean, exactly. I, you know. I was there in the summer of 97. <laughs> And I saw I was you there two thousand years ago. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, it was one of the best things that came from. I know what you did last summer. Is that the comedy uh, version that the Wayne's Brothers did? Yes, of course. Yeah, That's always the scary yes. movie. Yeah. That was hilarious. Um. So we have Jason Bear, who's who plays Doug, simply Doug, the boyfriend, who is just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um. And he's a stand-in and swap of uh, Rika's school teacher friend, uh, uh, which is weird. Like, I mean, he he's really a new character, but when it comes to the end of the movie, the way that he gets taken out, he's basically Rika's school teacher friend because she serves the same purpose. She's somebody who goes into the house while uh, you know the the care worker is off doing something else. They they figure out the you know the the care worker figures out their friend is inside the home. They rush there, and then you know the person gets ganked basically. So. <laughs> I um, like the term. <laughs> he was in uh Skinwalkers. Uh he was also in Buffy the Vampire Slayer as in one episode, which oh. is funny. Uh we'll get to a bit of trivia about that later. Uh <laughs> and uh he was in the show Roswell and also in Dawson's Creek. So I think I remember go. him in Roswell. I used to watch that all the fucking time. It was actually pretty decent. Oh my God. Coyote <laughs> Laboca. We have a. Uh, we have William Mapether, who plays Matthew, the husband and uh, of the first family to move into the after the seat. See, in this movie, it's different. Like, the, literally, we're watching the very first family yes. to ever move into the house after the murders. Whereas in The Grudge, we're watching, like, the third or fourth family, you know, yeah. move in. So. But there are also two films in, technically, so. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he's he's the husband of the first family to move in. And uh, he's in his stand-in, technically, for Katsuya uh, Takanaga in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, he was in Lost, and he's played in minor roles in films and TV. Like it's just kind of like bit parts here and there. Um, we have Clea Duvall who plays Jennifer. She's the wife of the first family move-in. She's the stand-in for Katsumi Takanaga, and uh, uh, she's been in a ton of stuff. Oh my god, uh, yeah. Some, uh, 
uh, Argo, The Ghost of Mars, uh, The Faculty, uh, American Horror Story Asylum, Lizzie Borden Took an Axe, which is a TV movie. She was in <laughs> Carnival, the TV series. Heroes, the TV series. She was in one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well, <laughs> and uh, which is funny uh, in the trivia. And then lots of other TV. Uh, I believe she was also in um, Girl Interrupted. That's where my wife remembers her from oh. primarily. So. I remember her in The Faculty. That I, I liked that movie, too. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. That was a good movie. That That is a good one. Um, we have K- KD Strickland. I don't know why she can't be KD, but she's KD-D-E-E, like emphasized, Strickland, who plays Susan, the sister-in-law, who's in the stand-in for Hitomi. Uh, she gets a phone call haunting similar to Mizuho from Jew on the Curse, which is kind of interesting. That's where they're mixing the films in this one a little bit. And um, she was in uh, um, The Stepford Wives, The Sixth Sense. Uh, she's been, you know, in just a, in a few things. We have Bill Pullman, uh, who plays Peter in the movie. He's the teacher, and he's the target of Kaiko's obsession because in this one, it's not just that Kaiko has an unrequited love for somebody. She's an actual full-on fucking stalker oh, in, this, yeah. in the American version, which is an interesting change. Um, and and almost in a weird way, it almost gives uh, Taiko uh, more of a reason why he would become like pissed off and want to kill her because it's not like I, I get like in the Japanese version, it was almost like she she pined after this guy, but she never really acted on anything. Whereas in this one, she she was legit like following this guy. So um, yeah, I, I have story. to say about that. So I was on base when I was in Japan, and these. Japanese girls, uh, some of them, they they who want to come to America, they do get, for lack of a better term, deadly obsessed with any guys that they think they can have a relationship with on base, um, and th- this is a real thing. Like they get obsessive and a crazy, and uh, to the point where they will kill themselves if they can't be with that person. It's bad, or it was bad back then. I don't know how it is now, but back then I found that to be so fucking insane. Like, it was scary. <laughs> what was you going to say about it, Noah? I, I was going to say it, the, the timeline, those, those stories reflect the, those, those cultures because Japanese culture is very conservative for the most part, even though they might sell stuff like girls' panties on the vending machine. <laughs> it, and, 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 they do. And their anime kind of shows creepy older dudes. It's, a, it's like a trope within it that's a comedic trope. But it is there is still yeah. a very conservative culture. So that whole premise might work a lot better in their culture, but for the American culture, it doesn't translate. And that's where... Having her, her more as a stalker, it hits a little bit better on that on our market. I think that, that's where that, it that's plays. fair point. Um, so um, obviously Bill Pullman is kind of a stand-in for Kobayashi in this movie. Uh, he obviously Independence Day. Mm-hmm. He was in that. He was in uh, Spaceballs with Rick Moranis, <laughs> who you know we covered last episode. Uh, leave their own lost highway the serpent the rainbow which is a really really good zombie ish film and uh he was also in brain dead um we have ryu uh ishibashi who plays detective nakagawa uh who is the lead investigator of the killings associated with the curse and he's kind of a stand-in but a c- combination of different 
uh, characters from the original film. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's the he's the cursed detective Toyama, who, who whose daughter Azumi later on gets cursed. But he's also like the lead detective from the first film, like kind of the older gentleman that's always yeah. seen smoking in the original film. <laughs> um, like seriously, I, it's, it, that guy's chain smoking throughout the entire Japanese yes. version. It's kind of funny. Uh, he's been in Masters of Horror, the episode Dream Cruise, and also in many TV roles. He has oh, a dude. lot of TV acting. I haven't seen, I haven't watched a Masters of Horror. Um, how many seasons did he do in Masters of Horror? It was like two or three? I want to say there was like four. Okay. I want to say there was four. The first season was horrible, and then as it went on, it got better. Yeah, um, they've got it on Tubi. I tried to start and go back and watch it. I, I was okay with the first episode because it, it was based on a Joe R. Lansdale tale. This is a, totally a tangent, but I mean, I, I like, but Joe R. Lansdale is definitely like, I mean, he, he's got some really good stories and then he's got like way over the top stories and they based that very first episode over it's like most over the top, like, you know, slasher trope type thing that they could, they could find from him. So it's kind of a, do you know what I never understood about uh, masters of horror? The intro is awesome. The intro bike, it gets you in. Then you watch, you're like, yeah, it's, I guess it's kind of scary. But, um, but the intros, the intros were. I always thought the intro was awesome for Masters of Horror. Fun fact: uh, Masters of Horrors only had two seasons, twenty six episodes total. What did? Oh, really? Yes, okay. two seasons, twenty six yeah. episodes total. So yeah, thirteen. I thought it was okay. like two or three seasons. Yeah, I remember the second season Maybe. was a lot better than the first. The first season was rough getting their stories together. Pretty good. I th- think what I'm thinking of then maybe it was split into four different like sets whenever they came out with like DVDs and stuff of it oh, okay. for some reason. I don't know why they separated it that way, but they did. Um, we have uh, Takashi Matsuyama who's playing Takeo again. Same actor, same character. Uh, Takako Fuji playing Kaiko, same actress, same character. Uh, Yuyo Ozeki playing Toshio again. It's all the same. Uh, and we have Ted Raimi thrown in there, mm-hmm. who's playing Alex, who's Aaron's boss. Uh, and he's the victim of the ghost with no jaw, similar to Norco from the Jew on the Curse. Um, and, of course, he's in there because he's Sam Raimi's brother. He's, he's yes. got to be in it. It's like, it's you know, like Sherry Moon Zombie. It's it, <laughs> it's going to happen. He's going to be in there somewhere. Hey, can I just say one um, thing about his character? I really wish, maybe this is just me. You guys can agree to disagree. I really wish we had seen him killed by the jawless uh character I, that would have been cool i think it would have been interesting to see that that jawless ghost i mean the cgi they i'm glad they didn't focus on it too long because it was still bad at the time but mm-hmm. it wasn't you know it wasn't terrible i mean they showed it just uh, enough just enough to yeah where it was shocking i liked yeah. her tongue falling out i thought it was cool like of course that's not it perfect was, but yeah. i can't recreate that you know but it would have been cool to see how she killed him um would have been boring if he had just died of fear how some people died so you know <laughs> I'm just throwing it up there. Heart attack. Yeah. Although that was fucking scary. I'd probably have a heart attack if I saw that. So his, his, his most famous role is probably playing Henrietta from evil dead. Yeah. Fat uh, old woman. That's in the basement. That (laughs) Bruce Campbell throughout the movie. Oh my God. I hate her. She's so scary. (laughs) Locked her in the (laughs) wine cellar. Come to Henrietta. (laughs) I hate you guys. Um, and of course he's been a bunch of other bit parts for his brother's films, but I mean, it's Ted Raimi's all, I mean, he's, he's always good to go whenever it comes to his, you know, any of his brother's films, he plays, you know, I mean, he, he just, he does like the acting that needs to be done and that's it. So it's not like he's a big thespian or anything, but it's fun to see him. Um, 
So the synopsis for this movie is, uh, well, it's the same as before, but this time with American flavor and more fattening. (laughs) Uh, But seriously, the film's biggest differences are that it focuses more on Kaiko being obsessive to the point of being a stalker. Uh, Neither Kaiko or Takeo killed Peter or his family. They were only haunted and killed after his death. Um, Takeo may have uh, taken his own life after killing Kaiko. The movie doesn't say this, but it, there's a scene where Sarah Michelle Gellar's walking through the house and seeing the past and you see Kai or you see Takeo hanging by his neck and like his like feet, like slamming against the wall. And I don't know if that's where he took his own life or if Kaiko did that to him. It doesn't say in this movie. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it was this film or if it was part two that we'll discuss, but Toshio pushing him against the wall. It's a spirit. I don't, did you catch that? No, I didn't. Toshio is playing with the hanging body like it's a cat toy. Okay, imagine dangling a fucking cat toy. That's pretty cool. I didn't even notice that. Yes, and he's sitting there and pushing his dad's hanging body against the wall, which is making the noise of the bump, bump against the wall. And I was like, that's fucking badass. (laughs) Which would go with also with the feeling, or not the feeling, with the idea that when he opens his mouth, he meows. A cat would play with a a dangling object like that. What's up with you and all the violence against men? No reason at all. Wow. You know, my favorite part is when he beat her to death. <laughs> I like that. I'm not saying. No, 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 no. I'm not saying. I just thought it was cool that you see this ghost just fucking playing with his dad's dead body. Like, it, it's sick if you think about it. But to be fair, the dad fucking brutally murdered that kid. So now he's getting his fun. Not just him, the cat, too. Yeah, well, the cat. Yeah, the cat, you know, the cat is channeling well, yeah, the himself. The cat's definitely giving it, getting its revenge. Um, it wanted to eat everybody after they were dead, and it was denied that because it was murdered before that could happen. So g- give it some credit here. You yeah, know. poor kitty kitty. Um, some characters are obviously combined together or altered, even taking characters from the curse instead of the grudge and kind of mashing them into this film. Yeah. Um, the house is burned down, uh, but the curse continues anyway. Uh, and the main lead that we start the film with actually lives at the end, although it's not a happy ending and it doesn't last, obviously, if we start discussing part two. Yeah. Um, so as far as like this film, we've already said that the scares are better. Like, yes. It, it's, I think we're unanimous in that, right? Like well, everybody I, agrees, like scares, this is way more effective. Yeah, I don't think scares are the, 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 the correct technical way to present that. It's it's the tension, the music, it's the the whole lead up that comes involved with it too. It's because the scare itself won't sell it, but if you can put the, the whole tension building and the music into it, it's, it's a lot of different things that make it better. It's not just, it's a scary thing. It's, it, it's the whole thing that comes along with the structure of the scare that makes it really sell. Every piece comes together to make this better. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw something else in there. It's the lighting. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. you know, I can't huge. There's a scene. There's a scene. Yeah, there's the scene where uh, Matthew is like, he sees Clea Duvall laying there, and like the only light he has in the room, which he's wielding like a, you know, like a weapon, is a lamp. And like the way they've got that that lit, like everything around him is dark, except for what you, and, and it, it limits your vision, so it adds to the tension of the scene, because it's like, are we seeing the outline of Toshio in the corner? Is that, you know, like it, it that whole scene plays out way better. Oh, yeah. Um. The only thing that I have to say that I dislike, and this movie is not the only one known for uh, is known for this. When we go to the ring, it's really apparent. 
this is the start of all of the movies of this time period being colored this weird like bluish green tint yes. over the entire movie and I, it gets fucking annoying toward the end of the movie i, I just get kind of sick of it i thought you were gonna say something about the frozen face aspect i did like the frozen face aspect in the ring I thought that was pretty terrifying. I know we're not talking. Oh, yeah. But I know know what you're talking about. At least in the ring, it made sense because it was almost as if you were looking through the film or the the lens of it's being viewed on the TV. Well, yeah, a little bit because they even add in. We'll we'll discuss that in the ring, but they even throw in a little. It gets more apparent toward the end of the movie that you were actually watching the ring. Yes. The one that will curse you because there's flashes of it going on in between the actual movie that you're watching. Yeah, and that makes sense. But you are right in terms of this film. It gets fucking old real fast. I see. I never got that. I mean, from the American one, it never really. It was such a. It was. It was such a good pacing. That I never like the Japanese one. I felt like that. It 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 gets to a point where it's not enough horror ramp up, so it 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 gets kind of tedious and old. But like in the American one, it's always something kind of different happening. Especially when you get to the second movie. It I thought I thought they did a really good job. With I it. think the color in the well, second I'm, film was a lot better. The coloring is the problem, though. Yeah. Is, yeah, it's it's like it's got this it's got this blue filter, bluish green filter over the entire movie to make it look like it's you know like an overcast, like you're in Oregon, you know, yeah. like there's there's no you know uh, perpetually overcast type thing, and it works at the beginning of the movie whenever you're setting it up, but like as it goes along and it never ends, you're just like, come on, seriously, like I mean, mix in a little color here now uh, every once in a while to kind of mix things up a little bit because I mean especially in the scenes uh, toward the end of the movie it it dampens the effect of Kaiko's the one scene that they allowed them to have her covered in her blood from where she was stabbed you know so many times it's kind of even dampened because it's got that bluish tint over top of the red whereas if they'd made the red more you know apparent through you know more vivid colors it would have stood out more I feel like but yeah I mean hey here's the thing though is that yes it, it was this was the first in the films where they were trying that out it does look good in certain scenes. I'm not going to deny that. And it really does add that cold effect of a cor- corpse, if you will. So it's not yes. terrible. It just a little overly used. But doesn't isn't that what happens when you discover something? You're like, hey, this is cool. Let's fucking roll with it. And then you're like, I am, I'm fucking tired of eating this. This is the same dish. I want something different, you know? It's ultimately what it comes out yeah. to be. Yeah, it was it was overused. It it worked in parts, especially at the beginning. I mean, it fit perfectly yes. with Bill Pullman when he throws himself oh, over because yeah. it's a depre- It's supposed to show his depression. It matches the scene perfectly. It's a it's a good coloration. But then, like, whenever they later on in the film, like they never mix it up at all, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of it gets samey. It, it it it's overused at um, that point. I'm no expert. I only know what I've experienced. So this is from very very little experience at best. But there is rarely a day a clear day in Japan. There is always overcast. It can be hot and muggy outside, and it looks like it it, it just it looks like it's filtered. It, it it's it's <laughs> yeah, Japan well, can be ugly. It's an island. Yes, yes, yes. So it, so it does kind of match the temperature of the location. I will say that, um, but the second film didn't use it the whole time, and it looked good. And they filmed in Japan. 
And by the way, you are going to have to discuss second film because I did not watch that for <laughs> the viewing of this. Like, just so you know, I did not. Uh, I didn't want to. The only thing I remember from that is that I think Sarah Michelle Gellar like gets killed like ten minutes into the film or something ridiculous, and that was about the extent of what I remember about that film. So okay, well, before we get into um, that, because I definitely can carry the second film. Uh, did you want to get into the trivia of the first film? That's a lot. There is, and I and I'll cover it. The one thing I wanted to say though that stood out to me about these two films. The the jet and I don't know if I don't know if this was intentional. I'm just throwing this out there. It's weird that that it's this way. The, it works. The Japanese version has a feeling of desolation. There's yes. there's very few characters in the movie. I mean, there, there's characters. There's a lot of them, but there when the, but in context of the movie, when you see them interacting with other people, there's barely anybody around, and it plays into the fact that it, as along the, along with as you're watching the Japanese version, there's all these like missing posters everywhere you know hitting mm-hmm. that the grudge is like spreading just uh, ridiculous levels at this point yeah and like the whole town has basically disappeared and it, and you and i think it's more of the budgetary constraints of the movie the fact they couldn't hire a bunch of extras oh, yeah. it works because it makes you feel like the, the the town is empty you know like there's nobody there hmm. the american version is complete opposite there's people everywhere everywhere in it. But it's based on it's based on isolation because the fact that the characters you're following, the family and Sarah Michelle Geller are all foreigners that are in a country where they don't they don't know anybody, so they're they feel isolated from everybody around them, even though they're surrounded by every, all these people. Yeah, and it makes um, a lot of sense too. So it's I just find that tonally that that's interesting that you know the Japanese version is more of a feeling of just desolation, and then this one is more of isolation. So I just want to throw it out there as far as something I noticed between the two of them. Do you, before you get into trivia, do you um, want me to break down the second movie? Because I can break it down pretty quickly, and then the hubs and I can kind of discuss brief things. I don't know. Do yeah, you, go do ahead. You the go ahead one? Break it down. Yeah. Okay. So the wiki, 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 break it down, is we have, I'll just mention that Amber Tamblin is the main character in this film. Um, and a decent actress. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but she plays the a better version of Sarah Michelle Gellar, where she is the female lead role that is her mom, who is sick and dying at home, uh, can't get a hold of her daughter, knows that she's in some hospital after the horrific events that happened in the first grudge. Of course, okay. they think she's lost her mind. Why wouldn't they? Uh, so her mom forces her to go to Japan against her will, to kind of patch one, patch things up with her sister because they are, they ha- they have not been speaking in a few years. They're estranged. They're estranged. Very good. Yes. <laughs> and to find out what the fuck is going on and basically help her. So clear and cut story. Um, we got the sister that goes to Japan. Uh, she first thing that happens is she's at the hospital trying to find out where her sister is. They can't figure out why the fuck this American girl is here even though they have one patient in the hospital that is American. And for the most part, they did a good job of making these girls look like they could be related. I mean, two white girls, same hairstyle. One has brown hair, one has blonde. Come on, figure it out, okay? Um, A reporter, journalist, if you will, Japanese, comes by, speaks to them and says, hey, I think this is the sister of Karen. I don't know how he put that together. I am genuinely shocked that he knew. <laughs> and then he starts speaking to her in English and and figures out, yes, okay, you're here to see Karen. Uh, Amber Tamlin's character goes to see Karen and 
naturally, Karen loses her shit. She's trying to get the fuck out of this hospital. She's like, help me. Please don't leave me here. Um, manages to get all these words out of, you know, um, I'm the only one that can stop this ghost and blah, blah, blah. And as her sister is being escorted out, because at this point, Karen is trying to attack her sister, not attack, but like begging her for help. And it looks like she's attacking. Uh, Mm -hmm. They strap her down, Karen. They give her a shot to calm her down. But prior to giving her the shot, she quietly whispers, please don't go into that house. But she hasn't even been given anything yet to kind of like keep her that quiet. She couldn't be like, Karen, or not Karen, don't go in the house. (laughs) Like, she just screamed all these other things at her. She didn't get a chance to let her sister know, you need to stay away from that house. So that was. But isn't that basically dooming her sister anyway? Yes, it is. Because it's one of those things that's like you're introducing like, oh, what house? I've got to see it now. What are you talking about? Exactly. So, So, (laughs) uh, you know, she says it quietly, but whatever. So uh, skipping forward. Karen dies a horrific death at the hands of Keiko. So she's, okay. she's trying to escape the house. She does successfully escape. Keiko finds her and pushes her over the edge. And her sister walks out of the hospital to see her sister hit the ground, which was fucking awesome. So she pulls a Bill Pullman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Basically. Um, and then, of course, naturally, everyone's like, well, she killed herself. She was crazy anyways. It makes sense, you know? Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on any of this, babe? Any input? Not yet. Okay. So the Japanese reporter also sees this, the guy, and naturally teaming these two up to one, he is trying to investigate what happened. Um, He is related to somebody that was taken by the house. And it does come out in the story. He talks about that. That's why he's trying to figure it out. Plus, he does mention he is already cursed by the house. He has been there. So he knows he's fucking doomed. He's trying to figure it out. So it makes sense as to why he's getting involved. He does tell Amber Tamlin's character to not get involved. Does she listen? No, because no white bitch ever backs down. So no, no, not at all. So they go through adventures. Uh, it 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 ramps up pretty quickly to where you know they start seeing and hearing things. Um, he's giving her. He breaks down the story for her. Like I'm breaking this down for you. Um, gives her the uh, Reader's Digest version of it. Uh, they go around trying to figure things out. They even go to see a, a person who is, specializes in lore, which was a pretty cool part. You're going to gloss over those those high school kids that went there? Oh, God. What? There were the high school kids, yes. There is a character. We can't gloss over it because it, it makes kind of brings the third film to light, too. Well, not that, but it brings in the good horror part that ramps into it. It brings the STD aspect up that they're... There's the, okay, so there is a breakdown, another side story, if you will, not quite like the Japanese, where there is an American girl going to an international high school in Japan. Well, I think it's two American girls. Is it, Oh, there is two American girls. We have the character from Warm Bodies, the main character. The oh, okay. Role, she's in it. Um, she kind of plays a cunt, but whatever. Anyways, uh, th- they're going to this high school, and naturally the girls... Much like other films and the TV series, it's like a dare to go to this house and kind of walk around and tell the story and then get cursed, because why not? You know, that's how STDs are spread. Um, so they do. <laughs> they take her to this house. What about the intro? Like, you missed all these... What's again? the intro? That's why I said, do you have anything that you want to discuss? You're like, nope, not yet. I thought you would have been all over the intro part. What was the intro part? Was she pours a hot grease on him? Uh, that was the... Wasn't that the third film? No. I thought that was the third film. No, that's the second it one. It is the second film? Yes. Oh, shit. I am forgetting that. I've seen so many of these goddamn films. 
that they bleed together. They it's, really it's do. Easy. It's it's bad. So the but the intro starts with this uh this girl's cooking bacon or whatever, and the husband's just being an asshole about the bacon. He that you can tell that they're affected. They're having the same Something's effect not right. of the yeah. the Seiki family. That where he's accusing her okay. of stuff. He's like, you don't uh, you don't know that I've nowhere you've been, and basically accusing her of cheating. She looks like a robot. Uh, she walks over to him. Oh, this is my favorite part of the film. And she pours hot bacon grease on his head. And when he starts screaming horrifically, she beats the fuck out of him with the fucking frying pan. That is exactly a ripoff from the curse, though. They they just lifted that because that yes. the, uh, the the female that moves in the household, the very the that that family that gets the house sold mm-hmm. to them or whatever, that's what she does. It's through a frying pan. So that that's where they they got that from. Now this yeah. intro is clearly in Chicago, so it has nothing to do with the Japan portion of the story I'm talking about. So it kind of brings to light. It's why showing the that it's spreading fuck? to America at yes. that point. Yes. So the STD has come to America. Now, in Japan, where we have the main character, Amber, Amber Tamblin, and, you know, the Japanese guy going around trying to stop this lore, we also have the side story of the girls that are in high school that have introduced this new girl to the house, uh, told the story of the lore, exactly how it's been told, tale as old as time, a million times, and these <laughs> girls become cursed. Well, the thing too is the the movie jumps its time framing around, so a you lot, don't, yeah, you don't realize it when you're first watching it. Mm-mm. You don't you don't understand that it's in America. Like, okay, how that happened? It's it, actually told very well, so, but it's told kind of like the Japanese Grudge. It's out of sync, like correct kind time of. wise. Yeah, um, a lot of cool scenes with the girls that went to the cursed house. Um, we have a. Boyfriend and girlfriend renting a Japanese hotel room where they do rent by the hour. Uh, and they are themed rooms. It's really weird. You go, you push do a they button. Have the massage beds? They could, yeah. I mean, they this was a beds? this okay. was a round bed um, and everything. And we have the girl actually get pulled through. She gets pulled through the mirror. Or does she disappear in the in the... She gets pulled through the mirror, huh? I thought she was going to disappear on the covers. She lifts the covers to see the ghost in there. And when she pulls away or she kind of puts the covers down to get away, she's sitting against a mirror and she gets pulled through the mirror by um, Kaoko. Ke- Ke- I don't know if I'm saying it right. Okay. Um, so that was one death of one girl. Uh, another girl, um, what happens that to the That kind of reminds me of the death that Zumi has in the Japanese version where you think that she's going to get attacked. Yes. Uh, well, by it, the three girls the, or, you know, the, and her her classmates and then Kyoko uh, Kako pulls her from behind into like the you know the where they have the awards or whatever yeah. behind her head yeah, the so. one she's talking about that's that's so when the three girls that went into the house one was a Japanese girl and the two were American the yes. one that got sucked into the mirror that she was, she was Jap- Japanese yeah she was the first one that got offed yes um okay what happened to the white cunty McButterbutt she got sucked in at the <laughs> phone booth Oh, yes. It, her death was less eventful. So she went to see the therapist to try to deal with what yes. was happening. And then the therapist stepped out of the room. And then she was kind of going through her paperwork and shit like that. And uh, she went to something was unplugged. In the oh, room. yeah. The lamp. She was playing with this lamp. Waiting, that... <laughs> waiting for the, the psychologist to get back. And then all of a sudden she goes to check it out and it's unplugged. And then she sees the feet come running across. It's Toshio. Yeah, because Toshi was in the room running around, being it, all weird. And then she freaks out and bells up out of there, 
trying to run to somewhere where she can make a call. Yes, and it was funny because I was laughing. I don't know if it's like this now, but one, <laughs> she goes to this phone booth, which they did exist in Japan, and I don't know if they still do. These phones were definitely way advanced. But imagine those Mac computers back in our day. I'm going to age us. Those ones that had the clear colored covers. That's mm-hmm. about the size of the phone, yeah. okay? This phone booth. <laughs> they're huge, fat phones with these, you know, tiny receivers and tiny little buttons. It's so funny. It's like having a huge fat face with tiny little eyes and tiny little mouth, you know? <laughs> and she's making a phone call, and you hear the noise. You hear the death groan. Uh, she kind of disappears in the booth. It was, it was cool, but uneventful. She had some scares that led up to it, which I thought were pretty cool. Like, you see Kayoko in the corner of she's showering in the girls' locker room. Of course she's alone and it's dark. Because, you know, why not? Because that's how locker rooms are when there's students in there still, you know? And yeah. a, and you see a towel hanging and a jacket, so black jacket and a towel kind of just hanging. And, of course, upon second glance, it's Kayoko. So that was one of the scares. Mm. The American, okay. uh, the other American girl. So that was uh, one of the American girls. We talked about the Japanese girl getting sucked through the mirror. Another American girl dying in the phone booth. The last girl, <laughs> the final girl of this particular saga of the story, uh, she also goes to the therapist to kind of discuss, you know, why did they bring me to this house and blah, blah, blah. The therapist is trying to help her. Uh, she starts, I don't know, having a vision or. No, she says they're dead. And she's like, they're not dead. They're yeah, they're sitting. right next to you. And all of a sudden it pans out. And yeah. There's her two dead the friends. The two dead characters are right next to her and their faces look like from the ring. They kind of distort a little bit. And they're making the death groan mm-hmm. noise. Uh, at this point, she was pretty much screaming to the therapist that she wants to go home. It's like a school counselor, if you will. Um, she wants mm-hmm. to go home. We don't really know what happens after that. She the therapist runs turns, too. The well, therapist yeah. got at the STD. Yes. All of them have the STDs. Okay, it's spread. <laughs> um, but she runs out, but you don't really know what happens. She doesn't run out. She doesn't? No, she gets killed there. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't, because she goes home to spread the STD to Chicago. The parents get her home, Noah. Oh. oh so, so that's that why explains we don't, the, the... It's spreading to Chicago. The, the, the grease or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I don't... The Chicago story is important. Um, I do want to go back to um, no, Karen's sister. <laughs> it kind of is, because it, it, it kind of discusses how it's reacting in Chicago versus Japan. So... And then I, we have to discuss the fucking turd that is part three. But we got to keep part three to, like, very small because I was supposed to keep this small. Anyways, back to Japan. Uh, we see a death of the reporter. He fucking gets caught up in his photo, fo- photography room. Technically, where- he didn't die. He did, yeah. Technically, he didn't. You're he, right. He lost his mind. He went crazy. Um, the pictures that he was developing were just very every single one was a closer and closer, closer, close up of Kayoko. And okay, eventually she like crawled she was moving toward the camera. Yes. And she crawled out of one of the the where he was developing a thing out of the water and then scared him to I don't know, to the state he was in. When Karen's sister finds him, she goes to hug him and try to save him, only to find that it's Kayoko. So his fate is really, it's hard to tell because, yeah, you see him in the corner kind of shaking and drooling in a cup, but then it turns into Kayoko, 
and she manages to escape. At this point, apparently she knows how to speak Japanese because when she started in Japan, not a lick of Japanese. She had never been to Japan um, <laughs> at all. And in a span of what I'm going to assume is two days at this point, because there's no timeline given, um, she knows how to map where she's going in Japan. It, Japan is like a fucking grid of fucking ridiculousness. Good luck trying to find a way. Yeah, you can kind of point out, okay, this train's going to go here. I guess it's not rocket science, but it's not easy. So, Well, they, they, they did says, a better job with that in okay, the, on, the original grudge. We got to qualify that. This is coming from the person who uses navigation to go almost anywhere. For trans traffic purposes. Uh, okay. Tell me that shit doesn't work. No, because there's places you're going that we've been before. You're like, I don't quite remember how to get there. Yeah, sometimes I don't. But... <laughs> Also, okay. this is this is a timeline where navigation didn't even exist. And this is coming from someone who's been to Japan and had to figure this okay. shit out. I'm just saying guys are better navigators. Good. Good for you. She didn't have a guy. He was drooling in a corner. Remember? Exactly. You're making my point. <laughs> he chose. They, they did a pretty good they did a pretty good job in the first movie showing that though. There's a scene where Karen is trying to find her way yes. to the house. And uh, she's looking and she can't really decide for what the subway, you know, or whatever the, the, the train car or like, you know thing you know map is and some guy just, rudely pushes her out of the way so that he can go and do his own thing. and that's the thing about that's that and that scene made so much fucking sense because that does happen i have been pushed out of the way like not pushed out but more like if you can't figure this out i gotta go because the trains are always on time they yeah. are never not on time they are very punctual and they come when they come and they leave when they fucking leave they will not wait for you so you better figure your shit out and the Japanese people are no exception. They are like, we're ready to go. They're punctual, you know? <laughs> so I don't, I didn't blame that guy. I fucking get it. But anyways, all of a sudden, and not only that, this girl, she has to map out a countryside that's not really, that doesn't have trains or anything that goes to it. So not only does she, okay, I can understand maybe, okay, I can figure this map out, but there's no map where she's going. Where she is going is to the home of Keoko, where they discovered in their investigation that Keoko's mom was, we'll just say a witch doctor, okay? They had a specific word they used, okay? Okay. And her, what she would do is people would visit her into this countryside home she lived in, and they would beg her, like if people were possessed, husbands would bring their wives, my wife's possessed, and she would take the evil spirit and she would feed it to her daughter, Keoko. Which is how Keoko became as bad as she is. So it had nothing to do so, just with the vengeful husbandness. She was fed evil from a very young age. So, so they pulled a uh, curse of Michael Myers with her, and they gave her like this weird backstory that she is supernaturally inclined to be this way. Yes, because of stuff that happened. Okay, I yes. gotcha. Um, so I, I, I'm gonna have to jump back and forth a few more times, but that's pretty much it. Uh, the sister who has obviously been cursed because she's been to the house has now brought Kaoka to that house. Kaoka kills her mom. I mean, there's nothing her to own, say. Kaoka's own mother gets yes, killed. Okay, she kills her own you. mother, but yet Karen's sister does not get attacked in this home. She watches the lady die and she's safe. But yet Kaoka's been chasing her the entire time. So How do you know that. she wasn't using her to get to her mom? Dun, dun, dun. So then we're back in America. Wow. <laughs> and um, weird shit is happening. Uh, we saw the weird opening scene where the wife kills uh, the husband. 
You don't see much after that because then it jumps to Japan. Great. Now we're back, but we kind of get to see the family interacting as a family. Everything's going great. Weird shit starts happening. Um, see a weird few, like, people. Weird shit's happening in the entire uh, housing de- development. Yes, yes. Like, girls are becoming uh, cursed and kind of becoming, almost becoming Keiko, but they're also dying of fear because they're getting scared by Keiko. Um, the girl that came back, the one who was in Japan that was like, I want to go home. Uh, you don't see what happens after she gets scared in her counselor's office. The family brings her home and they're acting weird. It starts getting real creepy. Lots of dark scenes, lots of, uh, I don't know, just random shit. She's putting newspapers up on the wall to try to cover up all the spirits that are now coming after her. Because just like one of the movies you Mentioned where there's a bunch of Kyoko's. Now there's a bunch of these spirits trying to torment this girl. But yet she has not been scared to death. She's managed to be pretty safe yeah, and not a, get captured. There's a scene where a boy's kind of thinks something's weird's going on and he follows her down to like the basement. Mm-hmm. And when he follows her down to the basement, she's like going to the trash or whatever. And then as she's leaving, he kind of hides. And while she's leaving, he's just watching the feet. And her feet go by, then a bunch of other feet. You see a few Japanese uniformed feats and things like that following her. It almost looks like they're following her in in uniform, but they're probably chasing her, but they're not chasing her. It's just like they're walking right behind her. So you're saying this is one of uh, Quentin Tarantino's favorite scenes of any movie that he didn't direct. He definitely jerked off to this scene for sure. But they weren't bare feet, though. They were wearing <laughs> shoes and stuff. So. Oh, then that's yeah. not good. He wouldn't like that. Sorry. So, anyways, okay, so that kind of establishes what's going on. The weirdness ramps up. People are dying. Um, as for the quotation mark main characters of Chicago, um, the stepmom ends up being in the bath where she drowns the sister. And you don't know what happens to the mom. You assume she she drowns herself because she just kind of goes under. She doesn't quite get the boy, though. The boy Noah was talking about where he followed the girl downstairs. This is kind of the main boy character. He has been freaking out the whole time. He's been hearing weird noises. He's been seeing all the weird shit. He's the only one that sees it, apparently. Not actually seen a ghost quite yet. Um, He, I'm breaking this whole film down without giving little snippets. Uh, He ends up going out into the hall. The girl who came back from Japan is begging him for help. He can't help her. All of a sudden, you see that she's been wearing a hoodie and sweatpants the whole time. From her hoodie, you see hands come from behind her and pull her into the outfit. She disappears. Okay. He goes up to the outfit. Like, oh, no, what happened? Can I save you? And... She comes out, Keiko comes out of the outfit, and that is particularly the end of that. Um, it does show a scene back in Japan. This is the end of the movie where kids are going through the fucking house again. Tale as old as time. Uh, the sister, prior to that, the sister of Karen went back to the house to get her revenge. Like, I'm already cursed. What do you want from me? She gets to reenact the entire scene. Can you guess what happens? She becomes Keiko. <laughs> but not only does she become Keiko, her face is the one that you now see coming from the attic, which I thought was fucking stupid. Well, that's but that's what they did in the Japanese, the grudge, because uh, Rika at the end of the movie is the one that replaces Kaiko at the end of that. Like, she's, it's her face. Yes. Like, it's no longer, you know, the original actress. 
it's funny when you describe all that because I can't help but think of the Evil Dead like the entire time that you're describing <laughs> that because it's the same setup. They go to this place yes. where something bad happened to a family. They read from the book. They open the curse, and then like the curse spreads, and like you know, and it just and and, and it goes everywhere that Ash goes basically yes. at that point. So yeah, so now it's, it's kind of funny that Sam Raimi would love that because it's basically like yeah. a. A, tw- a twisted version of his own story. Well, yeah, actually, it makes sense now. Now that I think about that, um, <laughs> the pros of it were the scares were definitely better. The cinematography was better. I mean, it improved. Um, sound effects were amazing, um, and visually looked a lot better. They didn't use a lot of the blue tint that we talked about. Uh, Good. Cons okay. was the storyline definitely got a little weaker. Like they tried to amp it up by, hey, this spreads. By the way. I don't know. I didn't it, think it was weaker. I thought I thought it was. I mean, that was me. This is me giving my opinions on it. Um, <laughs> but it was way better. It was better and worse. I think I felt for the characters a little bit more, maybe because you already know. I think it built up the main female character a little bit better. Not so much the one that went to the international high school, but Amber Tamblin's character. I think it okay. kind yeah. of you. She had some fucking tragedy going on. Already, she's being forced in a situation um, against her will. She's, I don't know. She she she's a beaten. She's got beaten wife syndrome. Um, I like the <laughs> I like the Japanese character. I think he was a good addition because at least she has for a while. She has somebody that knows Japan and is kind of giving her some better insight. It's not just her figuring it out like Karen had to do. So yeah, at the okay. end, obviously she she does. Um, so that's really all I have to say about it. I. Think it. That being said, I do think it was better than the first one. So we'll talk a little more when we do things. Uh, when we talk about the after the trivia and everything or ratings, babe. Part two. What do you think? American one. Uh, I liked it. I, uh, the first one, and the second one are, are are still both hella good movies. They hold up. Yeah, they they do. That's for I, sure. I, I like I like the little side things they did with those high school kids. The, those were probably the most scariest. Like the when she goes to sit in that room. Yes, the, then, the counselor's room. Yeah, she's like, they're dead. They're like, no, they're right next they're right to you. They're right next to you. And all of a sudden, the, the zoom out, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, that was probably the scariest scene in this film. Um, I'm going to try to give you that, an... Oh, go ahead. That was technically the creepiest scene for me in the Japanese version was the scene where Azumi is, like, being cornered by her two dead, you know, school friends, and they're, like, coming toward her. Like, I thought that was creepier than a lot of the Kaiko stuff in that movie. Yeah. Just because of how they filmed it. I think I'm mistaking, too. I think in this film there was also the scene with the jawless girl, and I totally yes. glossed over that. Yes. It was very brief, and you see, uh, you know, it, you see it happen. So, uh, but that, uh, oh, wait, no, that was the first film. I'm sorry. It, 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 I want to say it was a... Because we talked about it. It was uh, Raimi's uh, brother. Yeah, I say it was a guy, I thought. Yes, okay. In the American one. Um, 